So I think first thing is understanding that actually not every single innovation you launch is going to be a success is, mm-hmm. is, is the first step uh, internally. Hi, this is Paula Sainz and welcome to this episode of the Career Success Podcast. Joining us today, we have Raul Hingorani, a seasoned leader with global experience across top tier companies such as Google, Procter & Gamble and currently at Diageo. Not only has he worked across different markets and companies, but his curious personality has brought him to work across multiple functions as well. From marketing to revenue management, sales and category development, Raul is always focused on bringing a new point of view onto what he does, a new method or idea which will bring him and his business to the next level. Welcome, Raul. Hi, Paula. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. We will be discussing innovation, which is a very broad topic, but I think it's a very especially relevant topic in today's world where who knows what the future is going to look like. So yeah, even though it's a broad topic, let's start simple. As the Innovation Director at Southern Europe at Diageo, how do you know that your ideas are good? Thanks, Paula. Sure. And that's not a broad question at all, is it? So, uh, I mean, to be fair, it's it's relatively easy to generate good ideas. To really know there's an opportunity behind an idea, it's really important to focus and to remember on the end user or in the FMCG world, consumer, the consumers in making sure that ideas are good. To elaborate a little bit more, bringing it closer to the FMCG space, I consider there are two classes of innovation product launches, two major categories. One are the more disruptive ones, the ones that you could perhaps call game changers, like many of the Apple products that have launched over time. And these don't come very often. These often change the landscape in the category they play in or actually create altogether a new category. And if I think of examples closer to home in in the beverage alcohol space that I work in currently, I would take pink gin as as a good example. The first gin was a little bit of a game changer in gin because actually it created a subcategory that didn't exist. The other types of innovations are the ones that are more frequent. I would call them perhaps incremental innovations. These are ones that often build on something that already exists, improves it in a meaningful way. And these tend to be something that is much more common in FMCG. And if I take an example of this, building on the, the flavored gin story that we just talked on, I recently launched a product called Tanqueray Flor de Sevilla, orange mm-hmm. gin made from Sevillian uh, oranges, less sweet and more premium than any of the pink gins that existed. That is a more, let's say, traditional type of innovation launch. So if we take these two big types of product launches, what's really important, as I said at the start, is the consumer is the one that dictates how successful that idea is. Often in the first type of product launches that we looked at, the consumer isn't necessarily saying that this is what they want because perhaps they don't know that that's what they want. However, it's still very important that once the product is out there, the consumer is the one giving very quick feedback in terms of how that needs to evolve. And on the second one, which is more common to probably most people listening, it's critical to test whether it's with focus groups with consumers, whether it's digitally in more simple mechanics, or even just putting a product out there in in a room with 10 people. It's important to test things like the product itself, the quality, in our case, the liquids, the labeling, the packaging, the creative. All of this is key to ensure that your idea is good to move forward. Okay, very interesting. And since you're giving an example of a launch that you've been uh, directly responsible for, and since you're mentioning as well the whole process that you need to go through to make sure it is successful, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of the whole thing? 
That's a good question. It's not easy to do innovation. I think that's the first thing. But I would say that the thing I find constantly, and I see this in many examples across the industry that we fail in, is getting the value equation right. Uh, in any innovation or in fact, any commercial initiative by that matter, it's critical to get the, the kind of, let's say, the triple win triangle. We often talk about consumers, about the customer and about the manufacturer. Getting the balance right in that equation isn't easy. And if you fail in any of the three, then ultimately your product will fail in the market. So ultimately creating something that consumers are willing to pay for is the first and most important priority. But then ensuring that customers see the benefit and want to support that product. But at the same time, it's something that's positive to foster in your business. That balance sounds relatively straightforward, but actually I think is where many products perhaps are smaller than they could be and then ultimately fail. Um, if I think of other parts of the process like manufacturing or even developing packaging, um, all of that stuff is not easy uh, and it varies a lot by industry. We've got a, a very strong team that finds that quite straightforward to build new products and put them out there. So once you create that muscle, that isn't actually the toughest thing to do. But I would go back to this this kind of value equation piece as the, as the hardest thing to land. And speaking of one of the parts of the triangle that you were mentioning, in terms of the customer, the retailer, how would you say or how do you convince them not only to buy on your product, but to be actually passionate about it and to believe in it as much as you do? How do you approach that at all? Um, I would break it down into a few things. Uh, and the first one sounds quite simple, but it's really important. So I'd call it the basics. Um, the more you've demonstrated to your customers that with the different launches you have been able to bring to them, you are delivering, particularly against their timelines, the operational bits and pieces they need, the more confidence they have that when you're going to bring them a new product, um, they trust that it's going to work operationally into their system. This again sounds a little bit less engaging, but actually it's key. And if you don't get this right, you know, as much as you get someone to fall in love with your product, they don't have any confidence in wanting to support your loan. So that would be the first one. And here I'm talking about simple things like the product specifications they may need for their system or pack images to for their website. That kind of thing is, is really key. The second one is a presentation itself. Now, you only get one chance to make a first impression, as you know. And I think this is true both internally and externally. But when you have a new product, the first time someone sees an image of that product is the first time they're already making a decision or an opinion on that product. And, you know, this again, perhaps sounds a little bit basic, but making sure that your customers are presented the product properly in the right time. If you need a confidentiality agreement to do so, so be it. But there have been a number of times where, you know, customers have asked us about a new product because they've seen it somewhere else. And that's not the best way to find out about mm -hmm. a product. So pretty straightforward, but ensuring that, you know, you've created a muscle to provide the right information and you're presenting the product itself in the right way to customers are the two big pieces you need to get out of the way up front. And then it's all about engagement. That that would be the third block for me. You know, making sure that customers, and I'm not only talking about your main point of contact with your customer, I would be talking about anyone involved in that supply chain, whether it's supply, it's their finance team, marketing, whoever it is. You know, ultimately, you want them to be excited about your product, 
something again as simple as providing samples every time that you are launching a new product or you know even freebies little bits of pieces um, merchandise that they perhaps may value running launch events at head office running incentives with some of their team or even providing unique discounts for their customers to try ahead of other consumers these little things go quite far i guess i i just reflect on that and say whilst i think this would give you a really good chance of getting your customers to really go after your product there is a reality that we need to realize as manufacturers that you know we're one of many manufacturers for mm-hmm. the customer so it's important we prioritize within our customers within our own business because you perhaps won't be able to do all of this in every single product launch that you you want to present to your customers. Okay. Okay. And in this line of turning good ideas into good business, more specifically, is there any questions that that you yourself you ask to make sure that a good idea is going to be successful in the market? Any examples of specific questions or any process that you have for yourself that ensures that a good idea is going to turn successful in the market? Well, yeah, no, that's a great question, and and definitely there is one that um that I feel very important that I've seen far too many times not being asked enough. I think, but the first thing I'd say though is important to note that I think Harvard talks about about a ninety five percent failure rate with with innovation. So I think okay. first thing is understanding that actually not every single innovation you launch is going to be a success is mm-hmm. is, is the first step uh, internally. But I think to help you get to, you know, let's say more than that 5% of success rate, which we do successfully enjoy. The key question I ask is, is there a true consumer insight behind this idea? Because often um, when you get marketing and project managers all put together, they really fall in love with their idea. They often are blind to actually understanding, you know, whether other people would actually fall in love with Mm -hmm. it. And so at every step of the way, it's really important to ask yourself, what is this solving for? What is the problem that we're we're going to be able to solve with this product? Or how am I really enhancing a consumer experience in a meaningful way through this idea? And if, if you yourself don't get moved with the answer that you have to that question, it's probably not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really important to remember. And going into a difficult question, and speaking of innovation in today's context, how do you think or what's your perspective on innovation after this global pandemic? Is it going to emerge stronger? Which ways is it going to change? What's your idea on the next few months, the next few years? As you hint, there's probably two speeds. There's a few months or let's say the more short term and the, and the longer term. I'm confident that in the longer term, innovation will only be more important than it was before the pandemic. And I think we've seen this in every other crisis or pandemic that we've suffered, let's say. If I think of a very simple thing that's happened across Western Europe, but across most of the world, the fact that we've been in confinement and spent a lot more time at home along with things that were already happening in the past. So there was an increase in video on demand. There was a huge widespread technology, which means today that pretty much, I think on average in Spain, we have two mobile phones per adult. Um, I didn't know that. And then the huge growth of the food service delivery. So brands like Deliveroo or Glovo has just meant that spending time at home becomes a lot easier. What people are finding is they're finding lots of ways to socialize at home, which perhaps in many of the particularly Southern European countries was less common because we'd always go out 
this trend alone is something that was happening already over time, but this pandemic has hugely accelerated that and often has created a lot of that increase in the digital space as well. But for talking about something very simple, what this has provided an opportunity for is consumers are looking for more ways to prepare better drinks and cocktails at home because mm-hmm. they're spending more time at home. So something as simple as that is a small trend that is going to inevitably provide opportunity for innovation. But there's a number of things that are happening aside from from people spending more time at home. One of the biggest increases in, in spend in the last few months and across Western Europe has been on, let's say, more indulgent treats mm-hmm. and on baking products. So people are learning in many cases. And I would take myself as an example. Uh, I hadn't baked anything in, in my whole life in the last Five months, I've, I've baked all sorts of things. Whether that's I cookies hear and you. Cakes. Same here. <laughs> this is a great opportunity because you know you've suddenly got a much more engaged consumer base of people who are willing to spend time in the kitchen to experiment. Uh, and again, this is a big opportunity for innovation. And then finally, um, again, one of the trends that uh, we saw before, but we see accelerated through this uh, period, is we call it holistic. It's consumers are looking for different ways to balance their lives better, whether it's controlling their food intake or trying to do more sport, being more healthy holistically overall. And that's something we see again accelerated. So perhaps huge opportunity for innovation when we come out of this pandemic. I do think that in the short term, innovation will suffer a little bit. It is only normal uh, as customers are also rationalizing their ranges. Consumers are uh, able to experience less things when they're out of their home and, and try things. So that, that will come in the way. Um, but in the longer term, as I say, I think it will be even stronger than it was uh, going into this crisis. Okay. Okay. Well, Raul, thank you so much for giving us your perspective on kind of a little bit more clarity on what's going to happen regarding innovation and, and of course, your insight on the topic. Um, it's been a pleasure. So thank you so much for being in today's podcast. Thank you so much, Paula. Pleasure uh, being here and uh, I yeah. hope to speak soon. Yes. And thank you so much to our listeners as well and see you in the next edition of the podcast. Bye. Thank you. Bye.